welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with, with whose young women you were? See, he was winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And at midnight the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she had came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we admitted in the prayer confession, there are things uh, about the darkness of this world and the brokenness of this world that have embedded our lives, our habits, our stories deeply. There are things that we would tremble to name to each other, uh, to ourselves, let alone to you. Yet we thank you for your grace We thank you for the coming of Jesus Christ with light into the world. We pray that you would work with your word. You have made yourself known. You have not remained hidden, but you have have revealed yourself 
So though this story is very culturally distant, please reveal yourself now this morning as we reflect on this part of your word uh, to our doubts, our fears, our faithlessness, our unbelief, our sin and darkness. Show us the light of the gospel. And we pray it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Christmas movies are often family stories, are they not? It's the classic, It's a Wonderful Life, is it ends in a family setting. Uh, you can go, that's of course a classic. There's other Christmas movies which aren't going to be classics, but are shown every year anyway. Christmas with the Cranks, Holiday Vacation, The Family Stone, Four Christmases about a couple who has to go to the, both their parents because both their parents are divorced. That story is about trying to ad- avoid the family drama of the holidays. Uh, Home Alone. Why is this? Why are Christmas movies family stories? Well, we gather with our family at Christmas, right? That's one of the reasons. And there's the joy of that. There's also sometimes the tension of that. The heartbreak of that. Also, I think this is the reason. We realize if, there's, if there is some true magic to Christmas, if there's some supernatural grace, if there's something from God that actually has entered this world and that we can celebrate and reach out towards at, during this holiday, it needs to touch families. Salvation needs to renew and heal families. Families need to be saved. And as I said earlier before I read this scripture, to be a Christian, whether you're married or single, is to enter a family. God actually starts a family in the world and a people in the world to heal the world. Well, this is a family story. It's interesting in the Old Testament, it's It's surrounded by national epics and the story of a people and a nation. This is an intimate family story. It's an intimate picture. And it's strange and true. And I'm going to get into all the culturally distant things that are hard to understand. But we need to know this. Look, the gospel is a true story about God entering the world in Christ, bringing light into darkness, truth in a world of confusion, Grace and forgiveness in a world filled with sin. Refuge in a world of danger. And redemption in a world of shame. The gospel is good news. And grace redeems. There is a redeemer. And we need redemption not just with words and promises, but with action. That's what Ruth and Naomi need. And we're going to see that we also need that too. But the story begins darkly. And actually... Advent begins in the dark. The rest of the world goes right to B101 singing, have yourself a merry little Christmas, goes right to the celebration of Christmas. Actually, the Christian way to go through Advent is to admit Advent begins in the dark. And there's so many classic Christmas scenes in the Bible that the scene is at night, in the dark, in the toughest circumstances. Here's what we know, a few things so far in the book of Ruth. And there's this woman, Naomi, who's, um, they're from Bethlehem, but there's a famine, and they actually go to Moab, and her husband dies, 
and her sons die, and she's left with her Moabite daughters-in-law who had no kids, and she, they really all have nothing, and she decides to come home, and she, sent, she lets the Moabite daughters off the hook. Look, you don't have to be with me. You can go back to your people, go back to your family. There's nothing I can do for you. And one daughter-in-law goes, and the other one, Ruth, says, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. That's the bright spot in chapter 1. Ruth says, I'm all in. I'm going to be with you. Your God is going to be my God. And so she comes back. But the, uh, Jim preached on this two weeks ago. The, the bitterness and the emptiness of the situation um, is highlighted. Naomi, her name means pleasant. She said, you ought to call me Mara, which means bitter. She comes home empty and bitter. Her life is bitter. And yet coming home to Bethlehem, some good things start to happen. Ruth is a person of action, and you're allowed to go in a field and glean after the harvest. You're allowed to pick up the extra, the leftovers. And actually it was a command of the Lord to leave leftovers for the poor. And she goes and does that, and Boaz, who's a distant relative, is described as a worthy man. It means he's capable, and he has character. And we learn of his character even in how he greets his workers, he says, the Lord be with you, and how he becomes a protector for Ruth. He says, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told from me. And he says this, it it's, sounds like a blessing and almost a prayer. May the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. He's a protector and a provider. And so she's home in her hometown. Uh, Bethlehem, it means house of bread. And yet they've had famine in their life before. And Ruth and Naomi are very poor. And Naomi comes up with this plan. Now it's the harvest, which goes about April to June. And the harvest is a time of celebration. And she comes up with this plan. Hey, you ought to take off the garments of widowhood, put on your better clothes, anoint yourself. It's like take a shower, look your best, anoint yourself, and go at night. This is a terrible plan. Go when he lies down, observe the place when he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Now, this is, where, this is one of the places where the Bible is descriptive, not prescriptive. It isn't saying this is a good idea. What could possibly go wrong? You don't have to be an expert in Old Testament culture or the ancient Near East to know this is weird. Boaz, at the end of a day and during a time of cele celebration, he's going to uh, be eating with his men and he's going to drink. And it says his heart is merry in the text. After his heart was merry, he went to bed. Sneak up at night and uncover his feet and see what happens. He'll tell you what to do. It's not a good idea. Now, it's, it's funny to listen to the different commentators through history on this because people, basically, different Christian men and women say the same thing down through the ages. This is kind of a bad idea. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Um, sneak up 
to this guy in the middle of the night while you're looking your best and after he's had a few drinks and let's just see what goes down. It's not a good idea. Ruth, destitute, a foreigner, she doesn't have anything to bring to a marriage. She has a history of barrenness. In a way, she has nothing to offer. And it seems like Naomi's trying to arrange something, maybe just a husband for Ruth. Maybe that's the best that Naomi thinks is going to happen. But Ruth goes way off script. She watches and she crawls up and uncovers his feet. And this, the, the other thing about this, the language, there's innuendo. There are like sexual overtones to this whole section. And uh, it's hard for city people to imagine because we have all this artificial light. But in the rest of the world, at night, there are times when you can't see anything. And Ruth asks, Boaz asks in the middle of the night, he senses someone's at, uh, by his feet, it's a woman, who are you? And Ruth wasn't instructed to make a speech, but she says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And here's, this is the meaning of spread your wings. The edge of your cloak was considered the wing of your cloak. And a picture of marriage and a ritual for marriage was to spread the wing of your cloak over the person you were marrying. In um, the book of Ezekiel, God says to his people, when I passed you and saw you, beloved, I spread the corner of my garment over you covered you I made my vow to you and entered it into a covenant with you declares the Lord and you became mine God giving his people a picture look I spread my cloak over you you are now under my protection that's the image and she mentions that he's a redeemer and here's the here's the the background on the redeemer a family redeemer okay the verb means to redeem or to deliver and the noun is just a family redeemer. A redeemer could be the one to get justice if a member of your family was murdered. A redeemer could bring the family out of debt. There's not social security. There's not, when there's not a retirement account and there's gonna be crushing, life-altering debt, a redeemer could bring the family out of debt. A redeemer could father kids for a, a, a brother who died so that the name continues. A redeemer could buy back land that was in the family. And this is, an, this is a thing in ancient Israel. God had made promises about for the family, for the people, for the community, and he made promises about the land. So the land was a big deal. Naomi's family is in trouble both ways. There are no sons. There's no way to carry on the family name. There's no way to belong. They need a family redeemer. This is one of the ways that the gospel is in the Old Testament. And it's not a, necessarily a win for the person who's the redeemer. They get another family and they divide up their inheritance to others who didn't bring anything. Get your family out of debt. Divide up your inheritance more 
it's not necessarily a win for the Redeemer. But Boaz, a man of character, calls Ruth a worthy woman, and he says, the, why he's complimenting her, she's thinking of the family and even her mother-in-law, and not just trying to get married so her future is secure. She's thinking of others. And he says, look, I will do all you ask. And he doesn't take advantage of the situation. He says there is a closer person uh, who's a closer family member. And according to the law of the Old Testament, they had the first chance to be the redeemer. There's no shortcut. He has to do this the right way. But he does two things that are good and right in this situation. He protects her reputation. That's why he says, not let it be known. Let's not uh, plaster it all over the place that a woman was here tonight. This is sketchy. He protects Ruth's reputation and he provides for her as a symbol of his intentions because he is going to do right by her, because he is going to seek to be a provider for her. He sends her home, with the, which would what be a very full amount of barley to carry uh, a lot. It would be like as much as one person can carry. And what's here for us? How, what do we get out of this? Well, as we approach Christmas, first thing is this. We see generous, sacrificial love. Ruth goes off script, asks for everything, redeem the family. She doesn't just ask to get married. She tries to redeem the family. She tries to not just set herself up, but to save others, restore the dignity of Naomi and the family. And we see generous, sacrificial love, Boaz. He doesn't take advantage of a young widow, but instead perfect, protects and provides. Should remind us of another one who in self-sacrifice did not come into the world to be served, but to serve. It's a radical gift. This world needs a redeemer who can free those who have nothing, a family member who brings all the gifts for Christmas, who brings everything to those who have nothing, a redeemer who's able to buy back everything that was lost. Uh, this passage reminded me of a short story I read years, years ago by a, a Native American writer named Sherman Alexie. He actually got the National Book Award years ago, and he has a collection of short stories. Um, he's, now about, he's about 54 years old now. But one of his stories is it's entitled, What You Pawn, I Will Redeem. And it tells the story of a homeless Native American in Seattle named Jackson who passes by a pawn shop and he sees a family heirloom. He sees the headdress of his grandmother. It's been missing. It's been out of their family for 55 years. It's an expensive thing. It's being sold in the pawn shop for $1,000. Uh, no, the pawn shop purchased it for $1,000 and was hoping to make a huge profit on it. And he goes in and he says, look, uh, my grandmother always hid this one yellow bead in here. That's how I can tell it's from my family. I recognize this. I, I knew of this as a young boy. I can tell it's ours. It turns out that hidden yellow bead is in the headdress. It is his in the the owner of the pawn shop says, I tell you what, um, I won't make money on this. I tell you what, I'll take a loss. 
I bought it for a thousand. I'll take a loss. I'll sell it to you for nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. You've got a day to come up with nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. And the story is Jackson's adventures to come up with a thousand dollars. And him and his buddies they start with five. And the first thing they do is quote buy some liquid creativity. They buy some drinks. How are we going to make this happen? At one point they're up to eighty dollars, and you're pulling for Jackson. You're pulling for him to make it, to buy this family heirloom. And you also see in his poor decisions yourself that he's not always, his alcoholism is obviously not in his best interest. And the things he's trying to do to get ahead are actually getting him further behind. And at one point, him and his crew, they're up $80, but they ended up getting drunk, getting beaten up and passing out. And the next morning, he only has the $5. And he goes back. And the owner says, what do you have? I have $5. It's a different $5, but I only have $5. And the owner says, take it. And gives it to him. And the story ends with this beautiful paragraph with him wearing his grandmother's headdress and dancing in the intersection. And the world stops and watches it's a story of a radical generosity, a generosity we could never earn. We could never earn our way into it. We wouldn't be able to deserve it. And it reminds us, it reminds me of another redeemer that we come to not with $5, but with nothing. The gospel is not you come with what you've earned and God makes it bigger. The gospel is you come with a negative balance and nothing else and Jesus redeems us completely. Uh, Titus 2 says this. We remember Jesus Christ who, quote, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous to do good works. He redeems us from every kind of sin. Look, this radical generosity that we see, Boaz is going to enrich this family and do the right thing Ruth is not just thinking of herself, but Naomi. Hey, I'm a poor widow with nothing, a reputation for barrenness, and I come with a mother-in-law. Does that sound awesome? And yet the sacrificial generosity is going to change everything. And look, there's something, as we reflect on how this story points to a generous self-sacrifice. There's something to receive here for us. Christmas reminds us we receive the gift of God's grace completely in an unearned way. There's something for you to receive. If you're new to the Christian faith, you need to know this is how it works. There's something for you to admit that you can earn and you must just receive it. And then, yes, there's something to imitate. That's why... You're doing for others. There's something for us to imitate and be swept up in. We're not just supposed to receive the love of God and then sit, but we receive the love of God and then by God's grace become instruments of his love in the world and our generosity, by God's grace, blesses others. Generous self-sacrifice. Uh, the second thing is this. God is at work you know, what do we get from this passage? Second thing is this. God is at work, not just for the family, but for the world. 
They didn't know this. Uh, Boaz is literally in the dark and rolls over. It's like, someone's here. Who is this? He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know how the story's going to end. He doesn't know what God's going to do in the world. He doesn't know how this is going to actually be part of the story of another miracle baby from Bethlehem. He's just doing his part. God is at work protecting, providing for Ruth, for Naomi. And there's going to be another one who will come with healing in his wings. This is how the Old Testament ends. Malachi 4. Speaking of the future, and the future one who would come. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness. The son as in the sun in the sky. The son of righteousness will come with healing in its wings. There's something to get underneath. There's something to be covered by. There is one who will come with light and truth and grace, and there's healing under his covenant love. God is at work. God is at work in bigger ways, and we're going to see actually how God is at work in these ways in a way that Ruth and Naomi and Boaz don't. Most of the time in the Bible, uh, people didn't see the big picture of what God is doing. A lot of times in our life, and especially in suffering, there are many times we just don't see what God is doing. We don't see how God is at work through these circumstances. And actually, we don't see how God is at work through the circumstances for good, even though it's hard and dark. We don't see God's bigger purpose. But we know he's done it before, and we're invited to trust. And lastly, to be a Christian is to have a family redeemer. To be a Christian is to have a redeemer for and to be invited into a family, married and single. Look, to be a Christian is to be adopted into a family where there's one person who brings all the gifts. And we become part of blessing and gifting others, but we are brought into covenant love with nothing to bring. We're brought into a family the real story is that God in his kindness and steadfast love invites you into his story, invites us into his story, and it's God's story. And it's a good story. It's the story of the gospel, and it's the story of Christmas. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.